It's the JT The Brick Show. 39-yard field goal for Carlson set up on the right hash. Good snap, solid hold. Field goal is up, and that is good. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Crowd into it. Wilson lifts the right leg, gets the ball. They bring the blitz off the edge, and they get to him. Nate Hobbs coming around the left side. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10. Touchdown, Raiders! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you, coming off double duty service today. About a moment here, about a minute late, coming off my Mad Dog Sports Radio show, and we got two hours here on Raider Nation Radio. Big day today as we release the Raiders' all-time quarterback list that we've been building over the last day. We have another hour to take your phone calls on who are the greatest Raider quarterbacks of all time quite simply we need your first second and third your one two and three and then we need your four five and six that's all i need there's two categories the starters and the reserves i still haven't figured out the list it's not complete i usually have the tweet ready to go i'm usually ready to go with this i am not done there is confusion in raider nation who to put it number three it's not my fault I'm not offensive. I'm not going to rub anybody the wrong way. Who do you have at number three all time? Daryl LaMonica or Rich Gannon? With all the tweets I had, text messages, gold jackets, Raider employees, wink, wink, people that have been contributing behind the scenes to this. We are at a point now where we're trying to figure out who's in that second bracket or who's the third quarterback in the top three. Okay, so that's where we're at. I need a little bit of, I'd say, help encouragement on this before we wrap it up if we didn't hear from you yesterday you can get in at 702-365-9200 as we open up the show all-time quarterbacks plus the 49ers come to town also the orioles shame their play-by-play voice which is something i'm going to get to here in the monologue brought to you by pts the best happy hour in town five to seven midnight to two pts your place to go to get out of the heat you got two happy hours, five to seven. If you're a gamer, if you want to eat, you want to drink, you want to be responsible behind the wheel, go to a great happy hour. And then if you're in the industry, you're up late like I am, and you want to go to a happy hour. Have you ever heard of a happy hour from midnight to 2 a.m.? Half price drinks, PTs. They are behind me. I am behind them and everything at Golden Entertainment. Again, uh, we are starting now. We didn't start, you know, 40 minutes from now. We are starting now at Raider Nation Radio. So if you have any other quarterback that played for the Raiders that you just like to bring up, you know, a lot of the court, the drop-off at the Raider quarterback position is vast, man. You know, I do a lot of research for these. You know, we've done a great job because Bobby put together a lot of sound, and I've been reaching out to a lot of people on this all-time team, which is not connected to the Raiders. It's connected to the station. It's a Raider Nation radio summertime project. When you talk about the Raiders, the greats at any position – There is a fallback. You know, you can find five or six guys, but then there are players who, once a Raider, always a Raider, who are very good, but they're not all-timers. And when it comes to quarterbacks, as I was looking at the all-time quarterbacks in Raider history, there's a bunch of guys who were drafted and brought into this organization who were supposed to be really good and were not. And it really hurt this team. It hurt this team in a big way. Jamarcus Russell is obviously the low-hanging fruit. But in the 60s and the 70s, in the 60s, to have Tom Flores and Daryl LaMonica, 
the end of the 60s to get Stabler into the 70s, to get Jim Plunkett, to get Jim Plunkett, who was completely, I don't want to use the term that my sons use and their Arab kids use the term washed. My, my sons will come in and go, hey, dad, that guy's washed. What, what does that mean? He's washed up. He's done. You know, and I look at it and I'm like, well, Jim Plunkett at the time, it's one of the greatest decisions in NFL history by Al Davis. Al Davis saw Jim Plunkett as someone who he thought could be a Raider and told Jim Plunkett verbatim to rest. He knew that he was so beat up from the Patriots and the Niners that he needed to sit on the bench. Al Davis didn't need a third string quarterback technically, but he knew that Plunkett would be ready eventually and be his quarterback. When you look at all the moves that the great Al Davis made, and not all of them were great, right? We mentioned Jamarcus Russell. It's tough to be an owner and a GM and be in charge of all the personnel. You're going to have wins and losses. But put in perspective for me, the addition of Jim Plunkett, because if the Raiders didn't get Jim Plunkett as a guy who was going to rest, sit on the bench and heal, and Al Davis said, you know, because Jim sat out and the Raiders finally did the deal and brought him in, let's just say for this conversation that Mr. Davis said, you know, I really like Jim Plunkett. He was unbelievable. He won the Heisman at Stanford. He was the Rose Bowl MVP. I've always said that Jim Plunkett's got one of the best trophy rooms in the history of sports. Comeback player of the year, rookie of the year, Rose Bowl MVP. He has the Heisman trophy, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, Jim Plunkett's trophy room is probably about as big as any trophy room individually in the history of football. It's one of the top ones. What happens if Mr. Davis passed on Plunkett and said, no, I'm good. You know, Pastorini, Mark Wilson, you know, all these other guys. I just don't want to go down this road. I got to work on my defensive line. I got to get another cornerback. Where would the Raiders have been without Jim Plunkett? Because Jim Plunkett wouldn't have, he was the first quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl as a wild card. I mean, it wasn't like Jim Plunkett. He came in and saved a season along with the great players on that first Super Bowl 15 team and ran the table almost and did one of the greatest comebacks in the history of a season that started off and ended. And then Jim got another Super Bowl in Super Bowl 18 where Marcus Allen was the MVP in that game. So when I look at the history of the Raiders and the alumni are coming in this weekend, alumni weekend, and I'm able to sit down on a couch with a couple of guys and listen I listened to them. I never played, never played. I just listened. And they tell me about the teams that should have won. You know, the teams from Super Bowl II, the loss, to Super Bowl XI, the win. I could have been sitting in a room for most of my adult life with guys who have won four or five Super Bowls. Because Super Bowl III was the Jets and Joe Namath. That was the Raiders' Super Bowl. The Raiders losing to the Jets in the playoffs. Then you go down to Super Bowl IV. You get into Kansas City and Len Dawson. Raiders were better than them. Proved it during the regular season. That's another Raiders Super Bowl. The Immaculate Deception with the Steelers. Potentially another Raiders Super Bowl. Look at all the Super Bowls that the Raiders could have won from Super Bowl II. And granted, they lost Super Bowl II to Lombardi and the Packers. Okay, that's a hell of a team. They lost to arguably one of the top two teams in NFL history. But from Super Bowl III to Super Bowl XI... I mean, they should have won four, at least three. And then you add the Plunkett Super Bowls to that. You know, you're talking about winning five Super Bowls or maybe six. You know, but that's what it could have should have radio. You know, that's going back into the hot tub time machine. So for this Raiders team, what I've tried to do with the summertime promotion, 
is now that we're talking about quarterbacks today, the all-time greats, how do we relate this to what the Raiders have coming into this game against the 49ers? Jimmy Garoppolo, all intentions is Jimmy will play in the controlled scrimmages, which are going to be really important. If I'm a 49er and Nick Bosa is not playing because he's holding out, but if I'm Fred Warner and I'm all the other great players on the Niners, I want to beat the hell out of Jimmy Garoppolo in these practices. Not physically, but I want to intercept him. I want to encourage my quarterbacks on the Niner team that, hey, man, I just picked off Garoppolo. I'm here with you. I'm no longer Garoppolo's teammate. And if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, who doesn't seem to be an emotionally triggered guy, you know, Jimmy G's not one of these guys who's running to Twitter and running to go on every show or podcast. Not that Derek did. We didn't talk to Derek for close to three years before he left. But Jimmy G, he's going to come across this common cool. But Aiden O'Connell, Brian Hoyer, I'm interested to see what these quarterbacks can do. And depending who starts on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, at Allegiant Stadium, all reports and, you know, the practices that I've been to, to see Aiden O'Connell, I want to see what he has. He looks pleasantly good. And other teams were interested in him. So I want to see him play a lot here in the preseason. Because for everybody who thinks Jimmy G is going to get hurt, 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 Jimmy's going to get hurt, Jimmy's going to get hurt. Well, you got Brian Hoyer is probably one of the most capable backup quarterbacks in all of football. Because not only is he a good backup quarterback, but he's perfect for this system. If you looked at, you know, another backup quarterback last year, Jarrett Stidham, was he perfect for the system? I think Josh McDaniels liked him a lot. He played good in two games at the end. But Brian Hoyer is bleeping perfect for this system because he's been in it. Jimmy Garoppolo was brought over to this franchise because he knows the system. So what do you expect to see from the system? Today's a good day to talk about that, especially I have no guests. I don't think I, I, I lined up any guests today. We might have one or two. But I, I'm opening up this show for the phones because the Niners are in town. And if this was a regular season game like last year, uh, the Niner fans would really go crazy, really go crazy. And I think if the Niner fans were playing this time of year here in the regular season, so we're talking about week one or two, which, you know, the Raiders are opening up on the road against two Denver Broncos and Buffalo. But if the Niners were playing the Raiders again or the Raiders are playing in the Niners in week two, three, or four, my phones would be off the hook today. It would be going crazy because of what's happening uh, between these two franchises. There used to be the Battle of the Bay. It mattered. Even in the preseason, I saw one of the most violent games of my life with George Atkinson. Man, that story, the last time they played a candlestick, I was a sideline reporter on TV, and that game ended, and we walked out to Hunter's Point to go to my car, me and George Atkinson, to get out of there. God, it looked like a scene from Game of Thrones, man. The fights in the parking lot, the insanity over in San Francisco. I believe that was the last game that they played up there together. That was wild. And then when the Raiders did play in San Francisco at Candlestick Park, that was really interesting because a lot of Raider fans made that trip. And the Niners, with all those Super Bowls, knew the Raider fans were in town. Uh, Last year, as we're all aware, the Niners came in and beat the Raiders in a game that the Raiders should have won. I thought the Raiders were the better team that day. Jared Stidham played a very good game. And Kyle Purdy made plays at the end of the game to win. The Niners roster was much better than the Raiders. The Niners roster, as I'm prepping for the game, the Niners roster is better than the Raiders coming into this game. 
But I don't know as I'm prepping for the game, the second, third string guys, because what's happening in the preseason game is the threes play against the threes. The threes play against the twos. The twos play against the threes. And, you know, you look at the game, you know, on the preseason broadcast, we're going to talk a lot about tickets and the alumni and the regular season. We are not going to micromanage, you know, which player here in game one, it's going to change the outcome of football. You know, it's a preseason broadcast that we're going to take seriously, but we're going to talk more about what the Raiders are doing to become a productive team compared to last year where I thought they were a pretty good team, should have won nine or ten games, but lost five games that they had double-digit leads. So the Niners are a good test for the Raiders because the practices are going to be hard. Again, no Nick Bosa, no Josh Jacobs. So for the Niners, they're not going up against Josh Jacobs, which would have been cool. And the, and the Raiders aren't going up against Nick Bosa. And there's a couple other players that probably won't play much or whatever happens there. But the game coming up on Sunday, it'll be interesting to see how the Niners look with their core backup players because of Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, what they're going to do at quarterback. And I want to see a lot of Aiden O'Connell. I'm pretty sure I know what Brian Hoyer can do. I think I'm pretty cool with Brian Hoyer playing at any point in this season and being good. If Jimmy G accidentally went down, twisted an ankle, something happened, God forbid, I think Hoyer can come in and win games, just like Jared Stinham could do for Carr. But you want Jimmy G at 100%. And Jimmy G's been on a pitch count. Jimmy G's having some days off, which he should. But uh, Jimmy should be ready to rock as these practices are Thursday and Friday. And I'm very excited about that. So quickly, there's a big story with the Orioles that I'll get to coming up here because it's a big topic for me who works for a local team but does a national show. I think in a small, tiny way, I'm the perfect guy, analogy radio on this. I work for the Raiders. I'm on their broadcast, and I know what the rules are. You don't bash the team you work for. You can be critical. I'm always critical of this team, even if you don't give me credit. Every time I sit in front of you or someone or take phone calls when the Raiders are losing – We don't sugarcoat it. The only thing we don't do is say fire the coach, get rid of the owner for obvious reasons. We're employees of the team and the flagship station. But there's plenty of opportunity to be critical here. An Orioles broadcaster was not critical of the team and got suspended. So the difference between national radio and local radio is the topic that I think I'm an expert on. Because I've been doing national radio 27 years and I've always had a local show, as you know. I always double dipped. If you were paying for Oklahoma and ASU, you'd probably double dip in two like I did today. So we're going to get into that topic, second hour of the show. Here's what I got. For my all-time Raider quarterbacks, I have Ken Stabler, Jim Plunkett. I left the third one blank because it's either going to be Daryl LaMonica or Rich Gannon. Daryl LaMonica had the second highest winning percentage of all time, played in bigger games, but Rich played in a lot of big games. And Rich helped the Raiders uh, become relevant again. And Rich Gannon is a hell of a player. Uh, When we get out to the next three, you know, I'm leaning towards Tom Flores. Tom Flores, Derek Carr. Derek Carr is statistically the greatest Raider quarterback of all time, statistically, by a lot. I mean, he's got a lot more yards, a lot more touchdowns. But Derek never won a playoff game. He only went to two. One was injured with the broken leg, ankle. Didn't play in that game. And then, you know, the loss to Cincinnati was a game that could have really defined Derek. Could have been the reason why Derek was still here. First and goal at the nine. 
and the Raiders don't win a game that I thought they should have won. But Derek had a hell of a career. And we all know about Derek Carr. We don't, he's not on the team anymore. He plays for New Orleans. We don't do a lot of Derek Carr. But on the all-time Raiders quarterbacks, Derek Carr is high on the list for his achievements individually as a leader, as a captain, and what he helped do for this organization as he led the organization. And some people think it ended ugly because he didn't play the last two games. You know, we wish Derek well, and we'll include him on this list somewhere. And then when we come to the bottom, you know, the, the second tier of this list, George Blanda, you know, I talked to a couple of uh, former Raiders on this. They said when he came into a game at quarterback, you just knew you were going to win. And the kicking game was unbelievable. But he's one of the greatest kickers of all time, technically in big games, big moments. But where do you rank him as a quarterback? And then Jeff Hostetler is getting a lot of love on this show. Jeff Hostetler is getting a ton of love, along with Steve Berline, Jay Schrader, friend of the show. Love having him on, Mark Wilson, Wade Wilson. And let's not forget David Hum. Uh, David Hum, my dear friend who passed away. Uh, Raiders career, 75 to 79, 83 to 84. And his great Super Bowl victories. And then there's a drop-off. You know, Dan Pastorini's not on my list. Marcus Mariota, Kerry Collins, you know, Jason Campbell, Terrell Pryor, Bruce Gradkowski, who I love as an analyst. You know, these are guys that aren't going to be there. But I'm leaning towards Vince Evans as an honorable mention. But I was looking at his stats, and I'm like, where am I going to fit him? So that's what we're doing for one more hour at 105. We'll tweet out the Raiders' all-time quarterbacks I'd love to hear from you before the top of the hour on this topic. And then we'll figure out what we're going to do the rest of the way. Uh, 702-365-9200 as we are opening up the show, ready to go, and the lead up to the Niner game. The only thing that bums me out about this Niner game is that we don't have football until the Steelers are coming here for week three. So if you're going to tailgate, if you're coming to this game, if you're going to this game, treat it as a game with to see your friends and bring a kid. I've always told people that if you're coming to a game in the preseason, don't waste your preseason tickets. Don't let them sit. Give them to a kid in the neighborhood. Uh, Give someone an opportunity to go to the game. Take a kid to a game. Bring someone who can't go to a Raider game because these tickets are all sold out. It's tough to get a ticket. Other teams won our tickets. In the preseason, we only have one game this year. Try to bring someone there so we can get going. Chris in West Oakland. If you're there, if he could, Chris is not there. We're having some phone problems out of the gate. We'll get this all fixed as we open up the show. 702-365-9200. And uh, I got a lot to get to here. So the rest of the show here is going to be fast. Raider 66. Let's see if the phones work for him and we don't have a phone go. 66, go ahead. Start us off. Hey, JT. How you doing today? Real good. Thank you. Great. You know, this chance to reminisce about Raiders greats of the past has been just so much fun. And, you know, as we do it, I realize, not to get too uh, schmaltzy or whatever, but I realize that my idols growing up are guys that you have on speed dial. You you have gold jackets as your actual friends. And uh, I, I, I just, you are so blessed, JT, and uh, the relationship you. you have with this team. Uh, and I'm so thankful that you are willing to share it with us. Uh, maybe I can uh, have a, a few stats here that can break some of this tie here. you got a third place. You know, there are only uh, three quarterbacks that have thrown for 30 or more touchdown passes for the Raiders. Two of them were done by Daryl LaMonica, the other one by Derek Carr. 
LaMonica in 1969, listen to the season this guy had. In, in one game against Buffalo, the team that he used to play for, he had six touchdown passes in a half. One half of football, he throws six touchdown passes. And then in the playoffs in 69 against the Oilers, he throws six touchdown passes. Listen to this, uh, this line, this stat line. Playoff game against the Oilers. He's 13 for 17, 276 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, Fred and uh, Rod Sherman both caught two of those touchdown passes each. It was amazing. And George Bland, I, you know, I don't put him in the quarterback list because he was mostly a backup. But I put mm-hmm. him in a category that you don't have, JT, and maybe we should add it. Most clutch player in Raider history. That's George Blanda. And uh, Tom Flores. This guy lost the entire 1962 season because of TB, not Tom Brady, tuberculosis. He was out for the whole year. And just as you were mentioning uh, the great Al Davis did with Jim Plunkett in 1963 when he took over the Raiders, he actually brought Tom along slowly so they could heal up. The games that uh, Flores started that year, they were 8-1. and one. And this is a team that was coming off a 1-13 and 13 season. So Flores was uh, not a bad quarterback, and we know how good a coach he was. Maybe that will help with uh, your list, JT. Um, yeah. I got some great stuff uh, tomorrow uh, that you already mentioned. You stole some of my thunder. But thank you again for rel- letting me relive this. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You've really taken advantage of that, Raider 66. And a lot of callers have been doing it, guys who are texting me from New York, Rochester, Florida, uh, all over the country. They have my, The guys that I've known the longest amount of time who have my number, uh, they're playing along with this. And it got us through this time where we're up to the first preseason game. So we threaded the needle on that with a little bit of time off and double dipping in other shows and all that. And I appreciate everybody who's participated in the Raiders all-time team on Raider Nation Radio, especially Bobby for getting all the sound bites. Can't wait to hear what he has today. And we will button this up. I'm not doing head coaches. I'm not doing head coaches. It's John Madden, Tom Flores, Al Davis. We know that. I'm not, I'm not here to pick coaches. We just want to do the players. And it'll be fun because the Raider players are coming into town. It'll be alumni weekend. Get ready for halftime. Halftime at Allegiant Stadium. Not only the music, the entertainment. A lot of things are happening and the alumni are going to be there. It's going to be hard not to bump into a Raider alumni this weekend if you're a Raider fan in Las Vegas. And more on what the Niners should do here with their quarterback situation. Uh, They're going to use an opportunity to play some of their quarterbacks here in Las Vegas. We'll get to that coming up as we are brought to you by our good friends at Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. Five locations here in the Valley. Home of the Friday $50 Grimaldi's gift card. I get the Brooklyn Bridge. I get the Mediterranean salad. They got great beer and wine. Head on out to Grimaldi's. Branch to the left, Bolitnikov to the right, Stabler back to pass again from midfield, throwing a deep bomb, going to Branch against Livers, Livers knocks it down, Branch catches it, touchdown Raiders, holy Toledo, what else can happen here? Yeah, love that, Uh, whenever you get a Bill King call, that's great, and we appreciate that, JT back with you, Uh, today as we get ready for the Raiders, dual scrimmages going up against the 49ers, Coming up here on Thursday, Friday, big time for the Raiders to step up and have some physicality. The most important thing is no injuries. You can't predict injuries. It's a controlled environment here. You're not supposed to kill the quarterback, but the one-on-one battles 
on the outside. I forget the name of the player. It escapes me now, but uh, last year was absolutely incredible to see Devontae Adams. That was the first time last year where I was on the sidelines with the media. Devontae Adams was going up against the Patriots. It was a grown-ass man among little boys. Little boy. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I haven't been to a ton of, you know, these scrimmages. I've been to a few. I haven't been to a lot of them. But last year, Devontae, I, I sat there. I think I was with Q and Vinny and whoever was there going, oh, my God. Look at what Devontae's doing. That's when you really got a chance to see the grace and power and the ability of Devontae Adams and what he was able to do. It was incredible to see. Uh, maybe we'll see something here. And I think the Niners have clearly a better roster than the Raiders. Clearly. The Niners roster, offense and defense, is loaded. I'm not a big Kyle Purdy fan. I think that Kyle Fur- Purdy could regress. Uh, he could have a down year, year two. He's coming off an elbow surgery and this tape on him. But the one thing that Kyle Purdy does well, that Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to do better because he's a veteran, is just get the ball out. What he has with Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey is just get rid of the football. You don't have to hold it long. Just get it out because the Niners have a lot of playmakers. And the, the Niners linebacking core, current linebacking core, is what the Raiders dream of. Is what Dave Ziegler closes his eyes at night. When you look at what the Niners have at the linebacker position is what the Raiders hope to get at some point. We'll see if Robert Spillane. If Divine Diablo, Divine Diablo looks like he can hang in the same room with a guy like Fred Warner because he's just a gifted physical specimen, but he can't play at that level yet. He hasn't proved it. And Max Crosby, I think Max Crosby's just as good as Nick Bosa. I really do. I know that Max Crosby's better than Joey Bosa, but Nick Bosa won the Defensive Player of the Year. You got to give him his flowers for that. All right, we got Chris in West Oakland. I heard from him on my other show earlier today. Appreciate hearing him on Raider Nation Radio. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Yeah, before I get to the quarterbacks, you know, you're talking about, first off, the preseason games. I'm glad you mentioned what you did. Listen, you knew my feeling. I hated preseason games in Oakland, and hell, I paid for those tickets. I rarely went to a preseason game, but but preach on about, you know, get the tickets away. Don't just put them in a drawer. Just, just eat them. My friend Calvin that used to set up the bar at the uh, at the tailgates that you know, and his brother Mike that did so much of the cooking. His brother always had a youth group in East Oakland he worked out he worked with. He asked anybody in our group that wasn't going to the games, give the tickets to him and he gave them to underprivileged youth in East Oakland. And those kids got to go to games and they appreciated it because they would never get to go to a game otherwise. And I was always glad to be able to help them out. Hell I even took a couple of them and bit the bullet and went to a preseason game a couple of times. But I remember that game you were talking about I believe it was twenty eighteen when they had all that all that fighting, like you said, it looked like Beirut going off in the parking lot and, and what went on in the stands that day, and I kind of understand why they killed the rivalry a little bit. The Raider-Niner game that I'll always remember is October of 2020, sitting in the club at the Coliseum in Oakland while the Raiders are playing the Niners in San Francisco. JT, we're 10 minutes away from Game 5 of the ALDS and the A's and the Yankees, and there's literally nobody in the stands because everybody's in the concourses watching the game. And, of course, Gannon, who I'll get to in a minute, hit Tim Brown in overtime to win that game. That's, that, to me, is always one of the greatest uh, days in the Raider 49er rivalry. So let's get to the quarterbacks. It's funny, the guy I'm going to talk about the least is my all-time favorite Raider, probably professional athlete and first idol of all time, Snake. 
uh, what Snake did, it, it, it speaks for itself. It's a travesty that we had to wait until he passed away, and he didn't get to stand up on the podium and get his gold jacket and walk around for 30 years as a Hall of Famer like he should have. And like I said, a damn and a pox on Hall of Fame voters that made this man wait, and he never got to see his day in Canton. That is one of the all-time you know, travesties of the Hall of Fame in the NFL. Uh, number two, Jim Plunkett. I'm going number three. I'm going Rich Gannon, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But let's get to Plunkett real quick. It's funny you talked about the brilliance of Al Davis. Uh, getting Plunkett in 78. 79, Plunkett sat behind Stabler. And it's funny because of all the Raider accomplishments and all the Super Bowls and, and AFC Championship games, Stabler's best statistical season with the Raiders actually came in 79, and then Davis traded him away. So in Al Davis's foresight to get Jim Plunkett, his stubbornness in wanting to play Dan Passerini almost cost the Raiders. And I always said one of the biggest breaks, no pun intended, in Raider history, I was at the Coliseum the day Plunkett uh, got to play because Passerini got his leg snapped and the Raider fans actually cheered. Probably the all-time ugliest moment I've ever been to a Raider game was watching you know, 50,000 Raider fans screaming and cheering when Passerini was getting carried off the field. So that being said, you know, Plunkett got to play, and Plunkett won two Super Bowls. The rest is history. I could make a case, JT, from purely playing the quarterback position, Rich Gannon could be number two. The four or five years Gannon played at a top level in Oakland, he was as good as anybody in football, including Brett Favre at the time, Peyton Manning at the time. He won an MVP. The man was probably a monsoon away that game against Kansas City at the end of 2002. He would have thrown for 5,000 yards that year if he didn't have to play that last game, where instead of throwing 60 times, he handed it off 63. But Plunkett won two Super Bowls. I got no problem putting him number two. You got to leave him there. I went Gannon three. And what you said about LaMonica, it was a tough call. When you look at LaMonica from 67 to what, really 72, early 73, he didn't play that much longer than Gannon. Um, you said he played in many more big games. Look at the games Gannon played in, JT. You know, AFC Championship game, if he doesn't get pancaked by Saragusa, there's a good chance they go to the Super Bowl that year. The Tuck Rule game, there's a good chance that year. And, of course, all the stuff happened in 2002 with Barrett Robbins. So Gannon played in some pretty big games in his short period. And let's face it. They were irrelevant for quite a while before, and the Raiders have really only been relevant over 500 a handful of times since Gannon's been gone almost 18, 19 years now. So that's my top, my top three. LaMonica, I'm going LaMonica number four, simply because he's LaMonica and all the things that was so close with Gannon. Derek Carr, number five. And again, I'm not going to get into Derek Carr and trigger a bunch of people on here, but his accomplishments and his statistics speak for itself. Tom Floor is number, uh, number six simply because he was the first Raider quarterback. He was there for six full seasons. And, again, Tom Flores kind of set the standard. LaMonica took it and ran, and ran with it from there. My honorable mentions, I'm glad you said – I'm glad you brought up Jay Schrader. Schrader had a couple of really good years, mm-hmm. took the Raiders to an AFC championship game. Uh, my number seven is probably Jeff Hostetler. Hostetler played some really good football for the Raiders, and the year they moved back to Oakland in 95 – they were 8-2, and two, and Haas was playing at an MVP level when he got hurt against Dallas. And guess what? The Raiders went 0-6 and, and didn't win a game the rest of the year. That's how valuable Jeff Hostetler was to the Raiders that year. And then, of course, you know, things kind of fell by the wayside after that. But he's definitely in there for my honorable mention, along with, um, along with guys like Jay Schrader. I don't think Burline played quite long enough. But, but again, you're right. After these guys, there is a big drop-off. So those are actually pretty easy. So anyway, man, that's my list. This has been a lot of fun doing this. I'm looking forward to hearing your final list. 
I think the hardest call was number three between Gannon and LaMonica. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Hell, I'll, I'll even go 3A and 3B if necessary because I kind of think LaMonica does deserve to be in that group as well. Anyway, my friend, I'm feeling a little bit better. or Maybe it's just the adrenaline for the call. Time to go down and take another nap and, and recharge and get, get rid of this sickness I've been feeling the last few days. All right, Chris, days. feel better. Thank you, brother. Talk to you Thanks later. Thanks for calling in on this. Uh, my honorable mentions are Jeff Hotstetler, Steve Berline, Jay Schrader, Vince Evans, and David Hum. Those are my honorable mentions. Um, you can go to Twitter at JT the Brick. I just put it out. Uh, I'll give it to the radio audience here at the top of the hour if you still want to call in on this. And look, you know, this hasn't been perfect. You know, Zach Crockett I didn't have on my list. So I corrected that. I put him into a second category when it came to that. This is not perfect. It's just a radio promotion as we're trying to build the Raiders all-time team at quarterbacks it is up there right now at JT the brick on Twitter and you can find me on Instagram JT the brick hits as that's up there and my son is pestering me dad I need you to do four or five videos a day I don't want to do four or five videos a day dad you got to do this you got to get the metrics you got to get the analytics all right so we, we launched that for some good behind the scenes stuff and hopefully some really good things coming up from the field and down on the field coming up for the Niner game and at the practices. You know, I'm not a big guy that films practice. Uh, there's a lot of other people that got their cameras out, which is great because we have some really good Raider insiders and they have big followings, big. You know, Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Vinny Bonsignor. You know, there's some, there's some very good Raider insiders. There's too many to mention that take videos of practice and then they have to put their phones away. Because you can't videotape the entire practice. But we can videotape the entire game. And we'll get a chance to see what it looks like with the ones, twos, and threes. Very interested to see what the Denver Broncos do. Is that Russell Wilson's going to play week one. Russell Wilson's going to play week one. We couldn't say that about Derek Carr last year. Which I thought was a debatable topic. And I would not play Jimmy Garoppolo in the preseason. I would not. And I'd like to see. I wouldn't play Max Crosby, Devontae Adams. Josh won't play for obvious reasons. Everybody else you can play. If Colt Miller wants to get a couple snaps in, fine. Robert Spillane plays two games, I'm fine. Uh, uh, Epps at safety wants to play. I mean, we can't bubble wrap everybody. you got to put a team out there. But these games are mainly for the twos and threes, the undrafted free agents, to prove that they have an opportunity to play and if they can make the team. Because we go from 90 to 53 when we used to have gradual cuts. Raider O, thanks for holding. Appreciate it. Go ahead. Hey, JT, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Hey, uh, my, you know, my lineage started with Steve Berline. I was a kid, and I was rooting for whoever the Raiders had at quarterback. And I did enjoy watching uh, Jay Schrader. You know, Marinovich never really had the success, but I remember Jeff Hosteller coming in and really being the first quarterback that you felt had moxie, that he was going to win when he was in there. And, uh, you know, as, as uh, college mentioned, when he got hurt, you know, I felt a loss that it took a while to rebound from. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward to when we signed Rich Gannon. Um, I, as a 17-year-old kid, thought to myself, why do we need Rich Gannon? <laughs> you know, we've, we've got a big quarterback right now. And, uh, but, you know, he went on to show us in that first game against the Colts um, what would become one of his staples, which was the, the short to intermediate rush for a score mm-hmm. or to extend the drive. That was huge. And, uh, over those couple of seasons, you know, he, he turned himself into a master. Um, his games against the Steelers were, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the exact stats, but it was mostly passing um, his battles against the Jets. You know, epic wins. Um, I, I was at his uh, game versus Carolina where he threw uh, five touchdowns. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, who would, who would uh, expect that that's the kind of run he would have had with us? And as Chris mentioned, uh, if, or if not for the injury to him, you know, and I always thought he would be back, who knows what could have happened. And we came so close in those years to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I'll always be indebted to what he gave us as a team. As his weapons got better around him, he just got better, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Um, Thank you. I think, Pre- no, I go ahead. Derek if you're not Carr, done, continue. Go. Yeah, yeah. I think Derek Carr, you know, I want to give him a little more credit um, than what I've been hearing. You know, from the first you know, preseason game where, you know, you think preseason means nothing, but four touchdowns showed us, hey, you know, let's give this guy a shot. And I remember, I think, his first game at New England. He almost came up with a win, and you could see what to me would be one of his trademarks was, you know, really never giving up. And we did have a, a chance to come back, even if early on maybe he was the reason sometimes where he'd throw the odd interception or three, and, uh, you know, we had to fight back. But, uh, you know, what a spirit he brought to the team. I don't think that his stats are meaningless. Um, you know, when you think about Rich's time, he was throwing to Tim Brown and Jerry Rice and Andre Risen. Uh, although we did have good receivers, I wouldn't say we had consistent, you know, receiving power throughout Derek's time, you know, until kind of the end. Um, so I really appreciate him and appreciate all the guys that have suited up for us. I, I still think that you've got the top lockdown. I go with, uh, you know, the guys that did it first and the guys that brought us to Super Bowls in the end. So great list, JT. Thanks for having me on. And I uh, we'll appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you checking in. Uh, thank you for that. When it when it comes to this, the toughest part of this category was LaMonica Gannon. And I'll get to my opinion on that at 105. Here at the top of the hour, I got to know Daryl really well. Uh, Daryl LaMonica, very quickly, uh, name drop alert, he would come to the Commitment to Excellence Awards. And the Commitment to Excellence Awards was at the Oakland Airport Hilton. And I emceed that for 18 years. This is year 25 for me. It's a big event for me. Small group of booster clubs and the guys who were there to win the award, whoever won it from Jerry Rice to Tim Brown, to Charles Woodson, to rock Cartwright, Rodney Hudson won it multiple times. Daryl LaMonica was there and Jim Otto was there and Morris Bradshaw put it together with booster clubs. How about a shout out to Morris Bradshaw? And I would be backstage with these guys and Daryl LaMonica sometimes would be there with the suit and his wife and one time he got into it really heated with Raider Mort. Wasn't mad at Mort, but they were debating a time in a Raider game or something. And LaMonica, you could see just the veins in his neck. We had that game and we should. I was like, whoa, man, this guy cares. And then when he passed away, I remember uh, getting the call from Fred Bolitnikoff when he passed away. And Fred and Daryl, the dearest of friends, and he fished the day before and he went fishing and he passed away later on in the day or evening and uh, passed away peacefully. And it was a shock because we thought we had many more years left with the Mad Bomber. He's a good man. I mean, a really good man, an impactful guy. We've also spent a lot of time on the Raiders all-time team talking about the 1967 team, the 11 Angry Men on defense and LaMonica on offense and the rest of that team. Uh, That's one of the biggest takeaways I hope everybody got out of what we've been doing here is that the fans from Vegas who didn't know about the history of this team can just look back on the 1967 team, arguably the greatest Raider team of all time, arguably that didn't win a Super Bowl. But the AFL champion Raiders were one hell of a football team, and Daryl LaMonica was right there. 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Resorts World. They have Doghouse Saloon right next to the theater. 
can go see Carrie Underwood and then go into Doghouse Saloon and have a beer, watch a game. It's fantastic. So we love everything about Resorts World, especially 8 Cigar Lounge. Go check it out and go check out the new activations at Resorts World, proud partner of Raider Nation Radio. time he slides still has time still has time pump fakes goes over the middle complete to charlie garner <laughs> third and ten <laughs> four-man rush cannon over the middle porter touchdown jt as we continue with the raiders all-time team quarterbacks we release the hounds at the top of the hour on that and then we're going to get heavy into this Baltimore Orioles controversy, which I think is a really important topic for Raiders radio. And I'll tie that in coming up here. In regards to Daryl LaMonica and Rich Gannon, uh, Daryl LaMonica played 95 games. Rich Gannon played 74. Uh, Daryl LaMonica threw for 16,655 yards. Gannon, 17,855. Daryl LaMonica threw 148 touchdowns, Gannon 114. And, you know, the rest of the other numbers here, yards per game. Let me get this straight. Daryl LaMonica, yards per game. Gannon had a bigger number more in a passing era than that. And, you know, quarterback rating with Gannon was better than LaMonica. One was the Mad Bomber. Rich Gannon was a much more better controlled uh, quarterback and made a lot of great plays outside the pocket. We're splitting hairs here wherever you go with that on which quarterback. But Snake and Plunkett, one and two, no doubt about that. And it's fun. Hopefully there's going to be a quarterback, a young quarterback, that is developed here at some point in time, and it could be Aiden O'Connell. When Aiden O'Connell was drafted uh, in the fourth round, I said to myself, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. We, season ticket holder, we need linebackers. Isn't there a, four, isn't there a fourth round linebacker? who could make this team. And from talking to sources around the league, Aiden O'Connell was going right then. The Raiders clearly, along with other teams, had Aiden O'Connell going in the fourth round or early in the fifth. And that was the quarterback that they had lined up. You know, they weren't going with Richardson and ended up with the Colts. Uh, Josh McDaniels wasn't going with Will Levis with Dave Ziegler. And their next tier of quarterbacks who was available was Aiden O'Connell. Let's see what he looks like. What's interesting about O'Connell, when Brady, I don't make a comparison, Brady to O'Connell, stop. Uh, Arrest me and put me in Twitter jail if I do that. But I will tell you from the combine sense, no one wanted Brady. He went in the sixth round. I bring this up all the time. The Patriots didn't want Tom Brady. Did you know that? The Patriots didn't want him because if the Patriots wanted Brady, they would have got him in the fifth round. Or they would have traded up into the fourth round. The Raiders ended up taking O'Connell in the fourth round because they wanted him. Brady turned out to be the greatest of all time. I don't know what's going to happen with Aiden O'Connell, but I hope to see a lot of him on Sunday. All right, when we come back, the Raiders all-time team at quarterback. Let's see if you like the list. And it's posted at Raider Nation Radio at JT The Brick. 